1: Now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam.
0: What's that early-season Vladimir Guerrero Jr. launch angle looking like? I know that you are just itching to find out after 12 batted balls. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today. (laughs) Frank Stample joined by Scott White recapping all of Wednesday's action. We had aces, injuries, more injuries. The Cubs offense continues to stink it up, plus some early StatCast trends later on in the pod. Welcome back, Scott. Hey, Hey, Frank. How's it going? It's going all right. I did want to get your opinion on the Fernando Tatis situation since we spoke about it yesterday and the news came out that Tatis landed on the IL with this shoulder subluxation and apparently he's going to try to return in 10 days. Don't really see that happening, but uh, Scott, your opinion of the whole situation. Would you be trying to trade him for 75, 80 cents on a dollar? Someone like Corey Seager or Xander Bogarts or Bo Bichette right now uh, because you're worried about the injury?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I wrote about 50 cents on the dollar because I presumed that would be the best you could do, and I'm not sure if it's worth trading him for 50 cents on the dollar. You know, kind of a, a mid-range shortstop target like, uh, I don't know, Dansby Swanson. Because I, I think players comparable to Swanson, particularly if you're talking a shallow league sense, uh, which is what the majority of people play in, Uh you're going to be able to find those you're going to be able to you know Wander Franco might be up in 10 days and he's available in a third of CBS sports leagues so like pick him up as your Fernando Tatis insurance you know but if you're talking 80 cents on the dollar first of all I don't think anybody's doing Seager but maybe Bichette he just hit two home runs on Tuesday night so that might have ended your chances there if you can get him, if you can get Bogarts, I I think that's a great idea because like, really the the main thing is just the uncertainty and the anxiety. Like even if he is able to come back in 10 days, which I'm also skeptical of, just, is he going to make it five months with this, with the partially torn labrum and, you know, never having another swing like that, that dislocates the shoulder because probably one more dislocation and he's done, you know?
0: Yeah, and based on what Dr. David Chow, pro football doc, was saying about it, every time you dis- dislocate your shoulder, you're more likely to dislocate it in the future. So that's, it's a really risky situation right now. Obviously, we're holding in Dynasty and Keeper. Don't make any type of rash decisions there regarding Fernando Tatis. It says, I hope the Padres handled the situation correctly because, I mean, he might be the most important player in the game right now. He's one of the faces of baseball th- to sign a 14-year contract extension. You know, you don't want to do more harm to that shoulder than you need to do, especially this early in the season. So, take it easy, Padres. Scott says, yeah, if you can go out and make a trade for one of those third or fourth round uh, shortstops. I mean, in Corey Seager's case, he was a second round pick by the time everything was said and done. Then you should look into doing that. Let's jump into Wednesday's action and get things started here with our, oh my goodness gracious, player of the day. Ah! Oh my good, goodness gracious. Who do you have, Scott? We were talking beforehand. Kind of a boring day. What do you think? It was
1: kind of a boring day, so <laughs> I'm going off the beaten path here with my oh, my goodness gracious player, somebody who's rostered in only 2% of CBS Sports Leagues, which I guess would mean zero for, like, Yahoo and ESPN. Uh, Jake Junis, or Jacob Junis, as he's known on uh, on some other sites, Junis has been a fantasy contributor in the past. It's it's been a while, but he added a cutter to his arsenal before the start of the season, uh, at the insistence of Royals pitching coach Cal Eldred, who thought he had thought he had uh, the perfect arm, like the. The the perfect mechanics for it, basically, the way he throws the ball would made him well-suited for a cutter. And he threw the cutter in his season debut here uh, much more than he threw even his slider, which was his bread-and-butter pitch before. A really good performance. Five innings, one hit, six strikeouts. Only threw 58 pitches in those five innings. And... The new cutter was responsible He threw sixteen cutters overall. It was responsible for five of his swinging strikes. I look at what he did in spring training. Jake Junis allowed two hits in seven innings this spring. Struck out ten with that new cutter. Maybe onto something. Maybe onto something. I moved him into my top one hundred at starting pitcher. So like I didn't move him way up my rankings, but he's he's now in the mixed league discussion. There, Jake Junis is, which I think is noteworthy considering he's made only the one start.
0: And when you say mixed league, you mean deeper mixed leagues, right? I mean, he's right.
1: Top 100, I would say is on the fringes of being rostered everywhere. You know, one, one good start from being moved. Like so much, so much movement happens in like the 60 to hundred range at starting pitcher, you know? So another good start like this from Junis, maybe he's in the top 75, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah I did find it interesting he only threw 58 pitches but going up against Cleveland it's it's a team you want to stream your pitchers against so we'll be paying attention to Jake Junis again only 2% rostered his next start is up against the Los Angeles Angels so I don't think well I
1: I was spending it positively the fact he needed only 58 pitches to get through five innings you know
0: yeah he was he was very efficient and I have a a segment plan later on. What do we have here? Is there anything to see with these guys? And Jake Junis was one of those, so I'm happy you brought him up. A few other interesting names on that list. Antonio Senzatella, Kyle Gibson, Huascar Enoa. Talk about a few of those names a little bit later on. Jake Junis, oh my goodness gracious, player of the night for Scott White. I actually have two pitchers here that I wanted to highlight, and... Kind of fringy and you know twelve team points leagues anything shallower than that. But Matthew Boyd, we'll start with him, and he went up against the Minnesota Twins on Wednesday. Seven innings of three run ball, which is not great, but eight strikeouts to zero walks, thirteen whiffs on ninety six pitches. Six of those whiffs came on his changeup, and he threw his changeup, got twenty nine times in this game, which is. It took me a while to find this, but his most in a start since September seventeenth, two thousand and seventeen, 2017. and I also noticed that it's only been two starts. But Matthew Boyd is using his fastball less this year, and I think in this instance, uh, less is more because his fastball last season had a three twenty two batting average against and a six forty three slugging percentage, uh, and it's also. Worth noting, Matthew Boyd consistently struggles with home runs, has not given up a home run uh, through two starts. So I'm, I'm pretty encouraged by this. 62% rostered, and you know Ryan Yarbrough just got rocked. He's rostered in more leagues than Matthew Boyd is. Chris Bassett's just kind of boring. I guess Andrew Heaney's on the same kind of level as Matthew Boyd. I would be willing to drop all three of those pitchers for Boyd, and I, I don't know if that's an overreaction or not, but I was I was intrigued by this. Well, having
1: just updated my rest of season pitching rankings tonight, I can tell you I do have Heaney ahead of Boyd still, but I may have dropped the Rays pitcher. Blanket on the name. Ryan Yarbrough. Ryan Yarbrough. Yeah, I may have dropped him behind Boyd. And, and, you know, just the fact that it's in that range where there's so much movement, uh, I, I would be willing to drop either of them for Boyd. I don't know that I'm especially excited about Boyd. I don't know that I actually would do it. But that's interesting that the note about the fastball, especially because you know, I don't really care that he's thrown his changeup more than since 2017. He wasn't a good pitcher in 2017. The only time right. we've seen Boyd show signs of being a good pitcher was 2019, and because of how poorly he finished the season, it really only manifested in the strikeout rate. So, you know, that was upping his slider usage considerably, uh, and maybe it just became too predictable. But... You know it it the change up may be better than the fastball, and it may make him a useful option again. so i I can see that i I don't have high hopes for Boyd, but i I think the changes are more encouraging than not,
0: yeah, we've been down this path before. I know some people are probably listening or watching is saying really, Matthew Boyd, we're doing this again, but look, I, I think it's a pretty simple formula, right? throw your bad pitches less, throw your better pitches more. And and if he uses the slider and changeup up more and decreases that fastball usage, then I'm kind of interested in Matthew Boyd. The other one is Nathan Avaldi, who, yes, through two starts, he's had some favorable matchups going up against the Orioles and the Tampa Bay Rays. But on Wednesday, seven innings pitch of one run ball, seven strikeouts, 17 whiffs on 91 pitches. And it seems like he's using a true slider more this year, uh, something he hasn't done much since 2018. So another pitcher here, Kind of changing up the pitch makes a little bit. He's been using that um, splitter and, and cutter a little bit as well and uh, also used the curveball quite a bit on Thursday. He's only six, 68% rostered. And I have him at SP56, Scott, which is just way ahead of you guys. And I know I liked him quite a bit coming into the season. I, I, this might be unpopular, but I would rather have him than Carlos Sordon right now. What do you think?
1: Okay, I was waiting for you to say the name again.
0: Nathan Evaldi. <laughs> Ah yes, okay.
1: That's actually who I thought you were talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that was. I was really encouraged by what I saw from Evaldi today, and and really both of his starts. Seventeen swinging strikes in this one's thirteen in his first start on eighty nine pitches. So you know that's a good swinging strike rate itself. Really, what I see from him is more breaking balls of 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 both kinds, which is something he didn't. Really have until late in 2019. I think he he brought in the curveball and now he's throwing more sliders too. And the, and the two of them combined for eight of those 17 whiffs. He's always had the really hard fastball. He just didn't have enough change of pace for it. And he may he may now. Avaldi Mainhow. So I you said 65th is where you have him. I know I moved him inside the top 65. I may actually have him higher than you do now.
0: I have him at 56. Okay. Yeah.
1: I think I think I did move him like right in the same range as Carlos Rodon. I think a spot or two ahead of Rodon is where I have Avaldi.
0: All right. All right. We're on the same page early on. So I like this. Um yeah, but I, I really do like the arsenal for Nathan Ivaldi, specifically this this start that he had on Wednesday. He threw five different pitches at least eight times. So it's I like where we're headed right now with uh with Nathan Avaldi, Before we get to some news and notes, FPT listeners, it's Masters Week, and that means CBS Sports HQ is your home for round-the-clock coverage from Augusta. That includes tournament picks, round-by-round matchups, highlights, leaderboard updates, and we even have our pal from the First Cut podcast, Kyle Porter, on-site, providing up-to-the-minute updates so you'll know everything there is to know from Augusta. What is CBS Sports HQ? In case you didn't know, it's our 24-7, 365 days a year sports news network. How do you get it? It's easy and it's free. Just go to CBSSports.com, the CBS Sports mobile app, or fire up the CBS Sports app on your connected TV. Lots of injuries to get people up to date with here, Scott, and we'll start with Cattell Marte who unfortunately just left the game uh, that's going on. It might have ended now uh, with the Colorado Rockies. He pulled up lame, seemed like he was grabbing his right hamstring and he limped off the field. So once we get more updates on Cattell Marte, we'll let everyone know, but sucks because he was off to a fantastic start. George Springer with the Blue Jays. He is rehabbing to return from his oblique injury uh, and he felt tightness in his quad while running the bases on Wednesday. And man, like... (laughs) He has been, I don't want to say injury prone, but he's dealt with a lot of stuff over the past couple of years. So it's just a really rough start to his Blue Jays career for George Springer. The White Sox placed Tim Anderson on the 10-day IL with a hamstring injury, retroactive to April 5th. Danny Mendick started at shortstop for the White Sox on Wednesday. You know, Scott, I guess off-season yoga didn't really do the trick for Aaron Judge because he was out of the lineup Wednesday with general soreness in his left side. If you recall... He missed two months back in 2019 with a left oblique strain. And I'm calling the shot now. If he comes back and hits well for a week or so, Scott, I'm trading him. I am trying to trade Aaron Judge away. For full value, I assume. Like, if I can get Nick Castellanos in return for him, which I don't know if he'll be able to because Castellanos is off to an awesome start as well, I would do that. I would rather have Nick Castellanos than Aaron Judge. Mm. You
1: know, I like Castellanos a lot. Judge just can't stay healthy, man. I'm telling you. I know. I I understand. So I understand. I just, you know, I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think those trades happen very often because when somebody,
0: uh, I know what I, you're saying because they're they, similar they get, players and they're they're ranked similarly, right? So someone sees that right. trade and it's like, why would I do this trade? But right. I mean. Aaron Judge has the name and I guess whatever star value. So someone might see the trade and be like, you, you, oh, it's you Aaron Judge. Somebody
1: that they think they're selling high on Castellanos. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's fine in theory. I don't know. Trading is hard. Trading is hard. <laughs> I I usually don't even attempt trades like that because it's just it like is.
0: it's tough, man. It's tough. Man. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking right before you were trying to make trades in a dynasty league, especially in a dynasty league trying to make trades. Scott, I think I've probably sent out 20 trade offers so far in your dynasty league and they've all been rejected. And I, I don't even think I got a single counter offer back. So they're probably really <laughs> bad. They're really right? bad trade offers. <laughs> uh, Mike, um, Mike Soroka, who was working his way back from a torn Achilles was expected to make his debut sometime in mid April for the Braves felt right shoulder discomfort while pitching in Atlanta's alternate site on the, Tuesday, actually. There is no structural damage, but Soroka will be shut down for the next two weeks. Speaking of pitcher injuries, the Mariners placed James Paxton on the IL as well as outfielder Jake Fraley. Paxton was diagnosed with a left forearm strain. Another one. Poor guy. Just cannot stay healthy. Scott, is it time to stash Logan Gilbert, top pitching prospect for the Mariners? He is only 25% rostered in CBS Leagues.
1: He's probably in the top ten prospects to stash, but I wouldn't put him in the top five. I, I think that puts him out of the mix for most people listening. They have a ready raid, ready made replace. They have a couple guys they could go to first, and Nick Marjovicius and L.J. Newsom, who had a pretty strong showing as a starter down the stretch last season. And I just don't think, I don't think they're at a point where they feel like they're enough in the mix that they're going to introduce Logan Gilbert before they really need to, is is how I feel about that. So, you could do it, but I think it'd have to be in a deeper league. Uh, but we, we don't know exactly how long Paxton's going to get at, be out. We We still don't have the full diagnosis there. So, that's something to keep in mind, too. Hopefully, it's just a shorter-term thing. I suspect... What do I always suspect? I always suspect four to six weeks, but it could be longer. <laughs> My, no, Mike Mike Soroka is a bummer here too because I I think he was he he had built up to the point that it could have been a, the next time through the rotation, Mike Soroka was ready to go. So now I'm just hoping he's back before the end of May. You know, being shut down for two weeks, assuming it's just two weeks with the shoulder discomfort,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that's a bummer.
0: He had some shoulder stuff before, right? I think in the minors? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah.
1: that's... Well, really, when he was just beginning his major league career. Yep.
0: Yeah, so that's another bad sign there for Mike Soroka. Matt Olson was out of the A's lineup for the second day in a row due to a knee contusion. Stick with the A's. Presumed closer Trevor Rosenthal may need surgery for thoracic outlet syndrome, and that sucks because he was a, at least on this podcast, consensus top 10 closer entering the... This season. Mookie Betts was out of the lineup for the Dodgers Wednesday with lower back stiffness. Kevin Ginkle was not used on Tuesday night. We were kind of updating you live while that was going on. Uh, they brought in Chris Davensky. He blew the save. They brought in Yuan Lopez. He blew, he blew the save for the D-backs uh, because apparently Kevin Ginkle was under the weather. And then Chris Davensky on Wednesday was placed on the restricted list, but it is not a COVID-related Situation Manager Tori Lavulo also indicated that Caleb Smith will be moved to the bullpen. That means Taylor Widener is probably a lock to remain in the rotation, even when Zach Gallen returns. Scott, do you have any read on this Diamondbacks bullpen? It's a mess. Uh, no, not really.
1: <laughs> uh, because it looked like it was Davinsky, you know? And, and now with this latest news that he's on the restricted list, I mean, Joaquin Soria is out. I would guess Stefan Crichton is the next place they turned, right? They were willing to turn to him down the stretch last year. I don't really think he's a closer caliber pitcher. Uh,
0: I know he pitched in the 7th on Tuesday.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, That. That. I mean, that's just that's just the best guess I can offer, but it's another situation. Like, half the bullpens in baseball right now are just kind of waiting for it to reveal itself. By the way, the the fact that they've already moved Caleb Smith to the bullpen... I take that as a sign like Zach Gallen is Zach Gallen may be the guy who he's close. the next time through is ready to go. Is he uh, uh, He was supposed to, and I haven't seen an update on it, but he was supposed to throw 80 pitches today in at the alternate training site. And if he's already up to 80 pitches,
0: yeah, and
1: he, why, why couldn't he start? You know,
0: I agree, yeah. And we were talking about that yesterday. We were saying if you could still try to acquire Zach Allen for someone who from somebody who's not paying attention, then you should do it. Uh, The one that we kind of froze a little bit on, Scott, was if you could trade Sandy Alcantara for Zach Gallon right now, would you do it? Alcantara looks like a bona fide ace. It's two starts, but he does.
1: Let's see what my rankings show. I think they're going to show no. (laughs) Don't (laughs) trade. I moved uh, Alcantara up quite a bit. I moved him ahead of some notable names, but I don't think Zach Gallon was among them not going to be able to pull it up very quickly
0: I'll talk about some other stuff while you find it the Pirates said Wednesday that Cabrian Hayes is quote making daily improvements the Red Sox option Tanner Houck back to their alternate training site that was fun while it lasted Eduardo Rodriguez is expected to start on Thursday and the twins placed outfielder Brent Rooker on the IL with a cervical strain Scott Scott looks like he's freaking out he's got some news or I moved
1: Alcantara ahead of Zach Gallon. I moved him two spots ahead of Zach Gallon. I and
0: have you know him what? I have him one spot ahead of Gallon too, and it's it seems crazy, but gosh. Well, I I
1: don't <laughs> think it's crazy because like I I don't worry about volume with Alcantara, right? And really, yeah, that is the main thing. I mean, Gallon's a good pitcher, obviously, but what really sets him apart from other good pitchers is that you trust him to go six seven innings with consistency that's not going to be a problem for Alcantara a a stress fracture in his forearm I I don't know I'd I'd worry about why that happened in the first place and could it happen again
0: well it happened while he was swinging a bat right
1: he felt it when he was swinging a bat that doesn't mean it happened when he was swinging the bat
0: fair all right, well, we're taking Sandy Alcantara over Zach Allen for now. Sandy ace cantara as we like to call him. Scott, we had a lot of aces on the mound on Wednesday, so let's just do a hey real quick, a, a thought on each. If you have a thought. If you don't, then we'll just skip them and go on to the next one. Shane Bieber up against the Royals. He's pretty good. Six and a third, two earned, 12 strikeouts, four walks. That's kind of weird for Bieber. 23 whiffs. The fastball was up 1.5 miles per hour from his last start, which was in the cold, so no concern there with Bieber.
1: Yeah, (laughs) still happy I took him as the top pitcher in many leagues ahead of the other two.
0: Uh, Luis Castillo bounced back from that terrible opening day performance, but it was up against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Seven innings, uh, seven shutout innings with five strikeouts to just one walk. Only 12 whiffs on 81 pitches. Fastball velocity also up from where it was at on opening day when it was very cold. He did not throw a single slider, which I found interesting. uh, A pitch that he used 18% of the time last year.
1: Yeah, there were a few interesting things. Overall, it was encouraging, right? He got yes. shelled last time and, and seven shutout innings this time. But it was the Pirates. The Pirates without K. Brian Hayes. And, you know, only five strikeouts. His velocity was back up one mile per hour from you know, basically the lowest it had ever been in that cold start in uh, Detroit. Or where was it? I don't it, know. It, cold, was in, it was in Cincinnati. It was in Cincinnati. Cold start, last time out. Um, but it wasn't all the way, it was only, it wasn't all the way back up to where it normally is, you know? So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think, I don't think Luis Castillo is totally in the clear, but it's a step in the right direction. It's probably going to be fine. Uh, you know, overall, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd say, you know, this is a step in the right direction, obviously.
0: Hey, Scott, the name of the segment is Hey Real Quick. All right, sorry. I'll be quicker. <laughs> it's all right. There's just a lot to get to. Steven Strasburg made his debut against the Braves. Six shutout with eight strikeouts, 13 whiffs on 85 pitches. The velocity was down about a tick, but I felt like this was promising.
1: Yeah, it was down a little last year, too. Obviously, he, he didn't last long last year because of the wrist. But I, I don't know. The fact it was the back he performed so well, despite it being down. I, I feel OK with it.
0: Trevor Bauer, six and two-thirds of two-run ball, 10 strikeouts, 16 whiffs on, wait for it, 110 pitches. It's the second start of the season. That's just crazy. I did want to point out this tweet from uh, Vince Cotronio, who is a broadcaster for the Oakland A's. He said, a baseball has been taken out of play by the umpires and likely sent to their room for inspection after Bauer's first inning. Something new for 2021. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, he's, he's getting the same spin on his fastball. That's Cheater. I'll say. Cheater. Aaron Ola oh, was, not, was not great on Wednesday against the Mets. Uh, only four innings, one run, five strikeouts, 10 whiffs on 92 pitches. He threw a cutter 13 times in this start, and that's a new pitch for him. And it's something he started using in the spring. So I guess he has four pitches now, Aaron Nola. Mm, I don't know that I like it. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I kind of liked where the arsenal was as well. I don't, come on, Noel, I don't think we really need to change anything up. Brandon Woodruff and Kyle Hendricks combined for 13 shutout innings and 14 strikeouts.
1: Yeah, and that nice bounce back for Hendricks, who got rocked on opening day as well. I don't think we had any real concerns about him, but maybe some people who drafted him did. Hopefully, he relieved those concerns.
0: Uh, Hyunjin Ryu was at the Rangers, seven innings of two-run ball with seven strikeouts, 17 whiffs on 90 pitches. Don't really think there's anything to add there. Uh, Max Freed was rocked in his second start of the season. Two innings pitched, eight hits, five earned against the Nationals' B squad. Uh, but the slider velocity that was up on opening day remained up, 87.5 miles per hour. So I like that from Max Fried. Everything else kind of stunk. Remember,
1: he was coming off an opening day start where he set a career high for swinging strikes in a game. So it's been a mixed bag for Freed so far. But overall, I don't think there's anything that raises alarm.
0: Kent Maeda was at the Tigers, seven innings of two run balls, six strikeouts, thirteen whiffs, only seventy five pitches. I guess this is just Maeda being Maeda. Yeah, yeah. Kevin, nothing,
1: nothing nothing to see here, good or bad.
0: uh, Kevin Gausman was at the Gausman. Apologies. At the Padres, seven innings of one-run ball, five strikeouts. And uh, he was going up against Blake Snell, five innings of two-run ball, eight strikeouts versus four walks. This was a really impressive start for Kevin Gosman.
1: Yeah, it was. And that that was in spite of him throwing his splitter only 25% of the time. Of course, that's his best pitch. I know Chris was worried about him at the start of the season because he 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 kind of builds up that pitch over the course of the season. You look at his career splits, Gosman's, first 3 months are much higher than the last 3 months. It's kind of amazing actually. Uh but, you know, usually he throws that splitter 40 to 50% of the time, only 25% of the time this time. Still got a good result. I I, I don't know. I mean, maybe the Giants have figured out something in with him and and he's going to be more consistent than he's ever been before, hopefully.
0: Yeah, and Gosman's velocity on the fastball in this start was 95 miles per hour, which is exactly where it was last season when it was a career high. So I think as long as he keeps that that high velocity and his splitter is working, Kevin Gosman should be pretty good. Jack Flaherty also had a bounce-back performance. It helps when you're facing the Marlins in Marlins Park. Six shutout, one hit, four walks. Don't love that. Uh, six strikeouts there for Jack Flaherty. And a bonus, he's not really an ace, but he was making his first start in the majors since 2019. Jamison Tyone with the Yankees, four and two thirds, three hits, two earned. They both came on solo home runs. Uh, zero walks to six to seven strikeouts. So I like that. 11 whiffs on 74 pitches. Scott, what did you see from Jamison Tyone? Yeah,
1: the sinker was gone, which was as advertised. It was a pitch he used a lot in his Pirates days, which was also a problem for Tyler Glass now, Charlie Morton, uh, Garrett Cole. <laughs> that was the, the same issue for all of them. They ditched it when they left or more or less ditched it and got a lot better. So uh, hopefully Tyone follows suit. The velocity, which, you know, we had some concerns about that in spring training. It was almost all the way back. Overall, very encouraging outing. Much feel much better about Tyone at this point than Corey Kluber, even though I was drafting them in reverse of that just a few weeks ago.
0: So we're holding Tyone, right? Because some people have been asking about dropping him for the Carlos Rodons of the world and and Yusei Kikuchi.
1: Man, I I know it's tempting. Yeah. You you hate leaving those guys out there. Somebody in your league should pick it up. And you'd rather it be you. But I don't think Tyone... This was a very encouraging start, in my estimation.
0: I agree. Yeah, I was watching this start. It's just two home runs. I really like the... Command that I saw from him, the, the zero walks was uh, very encouraging there for Jamison Tyone. If you are watching on the video side, don't go anywhere. If you are listening on the audio side, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, we have some early season StatCast trends here on Fantasy Baseball today.
1: Robert Half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half.
0: So I hinted at Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to start of the podcast. Ooh, twelve batted balls. Scott, what can we take away from this? Probably nothing. But his average launch angle to start the season is eighteen point nine degrees, and last year that was four point six. So he has, uh, you know, basically quadrupled that number. And according to fan Fangraphs, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s early season batted ball data: twenty five percent line drive rate, forty two percent ground ball rate. fly balls. The ground ball rate has never been below 49% for Vlad Jr. So I don't think we could take too much away, but I do think it's encouraging. And and he's basically the poster child of what are we watching for in terms of stat cast early in the season. I think Vlad is that guy.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I, I still think it's too early to mean anything. I was looking at this yesterday, actually, with Ryan McMahon, him hitting the three home runs. And part of his problem is. The same thing, way too many ground balls. Now his fly ball rate is way up this year. He has four home runs already, so <laughs> it would have to be up, right? Exactly. Uh, just because there have been so few batted balls. So, you know, that's... Yeah, it's... I, I almost don't even want to look at anybody's stat cast numbers right now because I, I'm afraid it will uh, cloud my judgment when... I should know better. We'll, well, I think it'll be more useful like two weeks from now. I know, agree we,
0: with you, and I think get, it's, we
1: get uh, enough batted balls that it, we can at least see the start of some trends. I, I think it's still too early.
0: There's such a little amount of data that you can't even sort the StackCast leaderboard for anything yet. <laughs> so I had, I was just going to specific player pages and and seeing what I was finding, and and one of those players, Byron Buxton. It's you know I think he has what it was seven batted balls before today. He added two more hard hit baseballs on uh, on Wednesday, but early season stuff for him for in ninety six point four mile per hour average exit velocity, and it just kind of seems like the game is slowing down for him a little bit. I know Chris brought up a quote that uh, Bucks had, I think it was after opening day or shortly after that, and he's uh, said said himself, "Like it doesn't matter what pitch people are throwing to me now, it's you know I I can I can get to anything, and I know that now. I updated my rankings." On uh, Wednesday, and I moved them up to outfielder twenty-seven in Roto, just ahead of Jeff McNeil, Tommy Pham, Alex Verdugo, and Michael Brantley. Scott, am I overreacting to Byron Buxton?
1: I wouldn't move him ahead of all those guys, but I, I get why you're doing it. It's it's the upside play, and uh, I think that's I think that's fine. I just I still feel like Jeff McNeil's going to give me more this season than Byron Buxton will. I think there's enough evidence to assume that based on their careers to this point. So it's it's a little high for me, but I I'll be moving him up too, obviously.
0: Jeff McNeil by the way, out of the lineup for the Mets on Wednesday. So it's, I mean, whatever, it's day game after a night game, it probably doesn't mean anything, but it's between him, I just I want McNeil and Dom Smith to just play every day. That is my one Mets wish. So Come on, let's make that happen. Fran Mill Reyes, a lot like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for his career. Uh, he's a big guy. He hits the ball very hard, but a lot of the time it's on the ground. So far, 16 and a half degree average launch angle for him. Last year, that was 11.2. The year before, it was 9.5. So I know the whole Cleveland offense got outside of Rosario has been okay. Jose Ramirez had a double dong on Wednesday. Uh, they've kind of been sputtering, but... I think if you can get Franmil Reyes on the cheap in a deeper league, it's I, it's something I would look to do.
1: I've always I liked Fran, him. I Yeah, I think he's very bankable. A points league, you know, you you worry about you worry about the strikeout rate and and him making an impact in that format. I I didn't even really worry about the launch angle with Franmil Reyes because just as he is, we've seen him have a thirty-seven homer season before. So I, yeah, I I think I think he was just underrated to begin with and. uh there's no reason to feel any worse about him now.
0: Yep, and he's making a ton of contact early in the season as well. Uh, entering this year, he had a 28% strikeout rate for his career. This is Fran Reyes. So far, it's only 12.5%. So you like to see that. Uh, a few things I like to pay attention to early on for hitters, obviously, is lineup placement, you know, some of the stack cast stuff, and um, plate discipline. You know, I want to see if guys are striking out a lot, if they're, if they're walking a lot, and so on and so forth. Which brings me to the Cubs. Scott, what is going on with the Cubs hitters? We did our uh worry-o-meter on yesterday's podcast, and I probably could have just had all the Cubs hitters on there, but it's a week into the season, whatever. They have a 140 BABIP as a team, despite a league average hard contact rate. Uh, they do have the seventh highest strikeout rate so far this year, so I don't know if you've noticed anything in particular, Scott, but between Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, those are the three big names, I would say. Wilson Contreras has been fine. Um, this is now, I mean, last year they were all kind of bad. So are you seeing anything with these guys, Rizzo, Baez, and Bryant? Not really. I mean,
1: it 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 raises the alarm a little more than, for instance, some of the Braves hitters because, yeah, uh, those three underwhelmed last year, Baez, Bryant, and Rizzo. And I had some concerns Especially for Brian and somewhat for Rizzo, that they were just beginning a downward trend in their career. I, I had concerns about them coming in. So, you know, this kind of reinforces those concerns. But at the same time, I recognize it's it it's still a meaningless sample, you know? And um they're not going to be this bad overall. You point out the Babip. I mean, obviously that's that number is not going to remain that low. Uh, it's just it's just too little, too little to make anything of it. The only reason it catches my attention is because I already had doubts coming in, and I, really I didn't with Baez for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. So and, and, I, I don't. I'm not even really including him with the other two.
0: And Baez might be the most encouraging of all because he's actually hitting the ball really hard, with, better than last year. He just has a 42% strikeout rate. So come on, Baez, you got your in-game video back. Get in the dugout, in between at-bats, do what you need to do, pull up an iPad, and let's figure this out because 42% strikeout rate is not going to get it done. I have some position eligibility updates I want to provide the people, but before that, Scott, Garrett Hampson. just want to give people an update on what happened in this game against the Rockies. Leading off against the lefty in Madison Bumgarner, uh, went two for three for Garrett Hampson with three runs, an RBI, two walks, and how many? Three stolen bases. Three. That's right. Three. Is it happening? Is it happening, Scott? Garrett Hampson. Um,
1: <laughs> is
0: it happening? How am supposed to answer
1: that. He started. I mean, he has awesome. started
0: five of six games as well. So playing time right. is the biggest key for him.
1: Playing time is a key. Performance is a key too. <laughs> uh, I. It, it's been. It's been funny. The reactions on both ends for Hampson. Like some people act like. Oh, he's he's just not a good hitter. It's obvious by now. I don't know what you guys are wanting to see from Garrett Hampson, and, and some and other people are like, I don't know. They they treat him like he's some sort of stud in waiting, and you know the reality is probably somewhere in between the two. He was he was the Rockies' number two prospect according to Baseball America heading into 2019, which wasn't that long ago. He's played he has 523 at bats in his career, so it's it's really not enough of a sample to make any def- definite conclusions about the kind of player Hampson's going to be. We know he's fast. We know he can steal a lot of bases if he gets on base enough. And we know he plays a coarse field. So those are all those are all big points in his favor. You know, probably he's faking us out again. Probably. But any league where you need steals, I mean, you, you, you love the at-bat so far, and you love that he's running so far.
0: He's thirty nine percent rostered. He has second base and outfield eligibility on CBS. Should is he a must roster in every Roto categories league?
1: There are probably some shallow ones, three outfielder leagues. No, no middle infield spot where it would be tough to, it would be tough to swing that. But I, I'd say anything that uses the standard Roto lineup with fourteen hitter spots, yeah, he should be rostered in those.
0: Speaking of position eligibility, if you were waiting for the five games. You got it. You got it. Eugenio Suarez now has shortstop eligibility. And this is a good reminder, Scott, when, when you're updating your rankings, I had to punch in a, a bunch of player IDs and stuff in. So just a heads up for all these players. Uh, Mike Moustakis now has third base eligibility. The captain. He will now be referred to as the captain. Jonathan India has second base eligibility. Why is he the captain? Well, he walks out to the Pirates of the Caribbean theme song and he looks like Captain Jack Sparrow. Have you noticed that Scott? Kind of, he's got the little mustache that kind of curls out thing going on. He's yeah, got the long no, hair. I, I I don't
1: I don't know exactly how it came up, but I I had his page open up uh, from CBS. You know the 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 page for the product, the fantasy product, and he doesn't have a headshot.
0: Oh, we got. I don't know. My wife was that. asking
1: about him for some reason. She wanted to know what he looked like, and I was like, he he looks like generic long-haired goateed baseball guy, and then I pulled up a picture, and that he doesn't have the beard braid that Captain Jack Sparrow has. Like, you know, he doesn't he doesn't wear the eyeliner that Captain Jack Sparrow did. I don't know. <laughs> he probably um, should. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I could see that, but I don't know. He, he looks he's 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 in a he's he's more attractive than Captain Jack Sparrow. I would say I, I'm comfortable saying. <laughs>
0: I appreciate your uh, your your comfortability here on the podcast, Scott. Um, we didn't have you on yesterday, but we had a little bit of a debate: Nate Lowe versus Jonathan India. Where would you stand on on that right now?
1: I would stand with India because i I always lean toward the guy with player di- pl- with better plate discipline when I don't know much, and I feel like. I feel like India has better plate discipline. Now, now, Lowe should have pretty good plate discipline himself in the minors, but we've seen enough of him in the majors that I'm not confident that's going to carry over. Uh, so I, I, I would lean India there. And, and you know, he has the superior eligibility to second and third now, while Lowe is just first.
0: It's tough because I like both, but you know that I'm a Nate Lowe guy. I, I moved him ahead of Andrew Vaughn in the ranking scout, which it might be a little aggressive. I understand. Um, maybe it's reactionary. That's- that's a
1: lot aggressive. I would... If I just picked up Lowe... I mean, I know I their roster ship percentages are nowhere close. Because Lowe was below 50 yesterday. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd still take Vaughn. I, I I hate that Vaughn's only started four of the first seven games. But that's going to change. Uh, it will change. It's a long season.
0: Nate Lowe is 60% rostered. And, of course, Andrew Vaughn is 85% rostered. My thinking was... Vaughn has more prospect pedigree. I get, get that. He was, you know, former third overall pick. But I mean, Nalo had some prospect pedigree as well and had some really nice seasons in the minors. And maybe he's just good and and wasn't given an opportunity to play every day with Texas. So
1: maybe he is. He's been striking out a lot. He can't. Yeah, he is striking out quite a bit. He can't continue to strike out at that rate and be good. It, it, but we're well, talking tiny sample, of course.
0: The, the White Sox thing, it just continues to frustrate me because why would you forego the year of. Service time for Andrew Vaughn to have him on the roster. If you're just going to start him against left-handed pitching, it just doesn't really make sense to me. You had Eloy Jimenez out in left field, who is a terrible defender anyway. So I mean, what's the difference, right? It's just just throw Andrew Vaughn out there and let him play. It's I I don't whatever. It's probably yeah, like I don't really school. understand it
1: either. I mean, obviously, you're mean Mercedes coming uh, capturing the DH spot like he has. It, it makes me wonder what would have happened to Vaughn if. Eloy Jimenez didn't get hurt. Because oh, we were sure, expecting yeah. Vaughn just to be the full-time DH. I mean, maybe Mercedes would have never even got a shot. Or maybe Vaughn would have never got a shot. We know now. But it's, it's interesting to think about.
0: All right, well, I completely derailed our position eligibility updates. But the rest, Marcus Semien now has second base eligibility. Jorge Polanco has second base as well. JD Martinez does not have outfield eligibility. But he did play his first game in left field on Wednesday. So... If he continues this trend of playing once a week in the outfield, maybe by late April, early May, we are getting outfield eligibility for J.D. Martinez in leagues where you only need five games played. What do we have here? Is there anything to see? I don't know. Let's find out. We already mentioned Jake Junis earlier. And of these names, Scott, do any of these interest you? Antonio Sensatello. Rocked in his first start. Not very good. We know the track record, but eight shutout innings on Wednesday night against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Kyle Gibson. What? Where did this come from? Against the Toronto Blue Jays at home. Another one got rocked on opening day. Six shutout with eight strikeouts, 15 whiffs on 82 pitches. He's only 15% rostered. Uh, Huascar Enoa for the Braves. Five shutout, two hits, one walk, five strikeouts. Maybe he gets the opportunity to remain the fifth starter for the Braves if... Mike Soroka is going to miss more time than we expected. And the last name, Zach McKinstry, who has now started five straight games for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Cody Bellinger and Mookie Betts are a little bit banged up right now. and McKinstry can play all over the place, and he's been all right so far. So, Scott, Senzatella, Kyle Gibson, Huascari Noah, uh, Jacob Junis we already talked about, and Zach McKinstry. Anything to see here?
1: I mean, Sensatella was pretty good last year in terms of VRA, but a Rockies pitcher who doesn't get many strikeouts. I'm going to bet against that. Uh, I I I am kind of I am kind of in, uh, curious about Noah, who has has looked good at times, and he's somebody who like throws his fastball half the time. Uh, I wonder if he sticks in the rotation now that Mike Soroka is going to be out for a while. He's, he's kind of interesting, but I think the name that interests me most on this list is Kyle Gibson, who had some really strong performances this spring. He's added a cutter to his arsenal. He's always had a really good slider. Kyle Gibson has always been a curiosity to me because uh, for a while, there were two exceptions to the rule that you know the, the league leaders in swinging strike rate, the pitchers who are best in swinging strike rate, Are pretty much just good pitchers by and large. Like that, that that's why I've come to focus so much on that stat is because it's it 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 correlates so well to who's a good pitcher. Um, But there were two exceptions to that, and and one was Dylan Bundy, who now appears to have joined the ranks of the good pitchers, and the other was Kyle Gibson. Uh, I, I I still hold out hope that maybe Gibson can can figure out how to get the most out of his ability to miss bats.
0: And he has a two-star week next week, Scott, in some pretty good matchups. He's going, he's at Tampa Bay and he's versus the Baltimore Orioles. So we're going to have the pitching preview on tomorrow's podcast, but a little preview to the preview, huh? What do you think? Kyle Gibson, two-star pitcher.
1: I don't think I'd be ready to trust him with that. No,
0: I mean he might he might wind up on my
1: top ten sleeper pitchers list, but probably in the lower half, and um,
0: not in twelve you know, teams. You'd, have, you'd right? have to
1: be in a pretty desperate situation.
0: But in a fifteen teamer, I think maybe based on those matchups, anything shallower than fifteen teams, probably not with Kyle Gibson. But um, yeah, he's interesting.
1: It's it's always easier to justify in a points league than a roto league because you have to protect the ratios in a in a roto league. True but it's always it's always difficult it's more difficult to justify rostering an extra player in the first place in a points league so they kind of uh, you, you know the the it, it kind of becomes an issue in both formats.
0: Scott Alec Bohm had a sweet and savory on Wednesday. But let's finally settle this. No, he this. didn't. Yeah, yeah, he did. He had
1: a sock and a shoe.
0: <laughs> well, let's <laughs> figure this out right now. We are replacing Sweet and Savory on the podcast. And we had a few submissions from you, the listeners. And Scott, you're going to have your opportunity as well. A sock and a shoe is one that he likes. Uh, This one's from Philip. That's my work. Uh, Fast and Blast.
1: I like it better than Sweet and Savory.
0: Oh. (laughs) From Thomas. Smooth and Smashing, Sleek and Slugging.
1: Nah. Nah. (laughs) Sounds like you're trying to sell me a product.
0: (laughs) From Bob. I really like this one. Uh and he says, since having a home run and a steal fills up all five categories in a roto league, I think you call it a cat five, which is the most powerful hurricane It's a fantasy hurricane i I like it i i I just think
1: it's going to be inaccessible like we we're it's gonna become part of our vernacular, and we're just gonna oh, cat five cat five and people be like, what are they talking about you know i i don't think people jumping into the podcast later on are going to get what we're saying when we say
0: Cat5. Well, if they listen to the podcast enough, Scott, which they should be doing, then they should catch on, right? Yeah, I mean,
1: they should. (laughs) But I think think there's a branding hurdle there.
0: All right. From Richie, BOGO, belt one, go one. I think belt one, get one is better.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Though I don't think I like it either way.
0: All right, last one we got is from Ian: muscle and hustle,
1: muscle and hustle. That was pretty good. That's pretty and good. I don't mind that one. I, I could, I, I, would not mind that one.
0: All right, so we're gonna settle it. And Scott, sock and shoe. You can explain it if anyone doesn't understand. Sock Which, and a shoe. It's a you sock and a shoe. It's, what you, else you, do you need you to know? Sock,
1: you socked it, and <laughs> and then you. You shooed or you used your shoes. Either either way you want to look at it.
0: Either way. You, you
1: either shoe S H O O or you know, you used your feet
0: that right. are inside
1: shoes, encased by shoes.
0: So starting next yeah. week, we will adopt one of these on the show for hitting a home run and stealing a base in the same game. You just heard all the submissions. That's where we're leaving it. Tweet at me at Roto underscore franks. Tweet at Scott at CBS Scott White. Email us fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. What is your final answer? Which one should we go with for when a player hits a home run and gets a steal in the same game? By the way, Alec Bohm, I just want to point out he has two steals already on the season, Scott. I didn't I, I didn't really know he had this in his arsenal. The Phillies in general are I mean, they're running. They had four steals on Wednesday alone, two for Roman Quinn, one for Alec Bohm, uh, one for Andrew McCutcheon as well. So you like to see that. And I, I'm gonna do a study on this, but Steels are up in baseball so far through the first week of the season much more than they were last year. I just need to find the exact data, but I was looking into it earlier. So Hmm. it's good to know.
1: I hadn't noticed.
0: Uh, Just some other stuff from Wednesday. Just... Studs being studs, really. Trey Turner, two home runs in his first two games. Stalin Castro, not really a stud, but he had three hits and three RBI in the first game of the doubleheader. 54% rostered. He plays seven games next week. Again, Starlin Castro, the name there. Victor Robles continues to lead off for the Washington Nationals. In the two games, he went one for four with two walks and stole his first base of the season. Juan Soto also picked up his first steal of the season as well. For the Reds, they stayed hot but they're also facing the Pittsburgh Pirates. Nick Castellanos and Tyler Naquin, who is 16% rostered on CBS, both hit their fourth home run of the season, which is tied with Ryan McMahon for the league lead. Scott, is there anything to see here with Tyler Naquin? I don't
1: think so. I mean, he's been around a while. He could never really break through into Cleveland's lineup as much outfield help as they needed. Had a lot of injuries along the way. I just don't think a stomach illness for Jesse Winker is going to be the reason the Reds move on from Jesse Winker. He's shown a lot of potential himself. Uh, I think, you know, maybe maybe a rash of injuries to the Reds outfield and and Tyler Naquin becomes something. But I'm I'm reluctant to really invest anything in him at this point, even though he's homered what four times in the last four games, something like that.
0: And Shogo Akiyama is working his way back from injury. I saw an update where he's getting closer to returning. So that just throws another wrench in the mix there for the Cincinnati Reds. Outfield, Jose Ramirez, as I mentioned, he had a double dong his first two home runs of the season on Wednesday. Ryan Yarbrough got rocked at the Red Sox. Five innings, nine runs, six of those were earned. He is still uh, 76% rostered. Scott, uh, would you be all right dropping him for any of the Southpaws we keep mentioning? Rodon, Kikuchi, Trevor Rogers. Matthew Boyd, I'll throw in that mix. Nathan Avaldi. Would you, would you drop Ryan Yarbrough for all of those?
1: Yeah, I never really understood why he was being so widely drafted, Yarbrough. I think he's, I think he's okay. I think he's going to be better than average and whip and maybe wins. But just a replacement-level talent and somebody like the, the caliber of pitcher you can hope to find on the waiver wire at any point during the season.
0: Marcus Semien went two for three on Wednesday with his third home run of the season, making me look foolish so far. Uh, Lorenzo Cain, he was back in style. Double dong, including a th- go-ahead three-run home run in the 10th. He is 25% rostered. It's just hard for me to get excited about Cain, Scott, because... Which Cain? Well, No E. <laughs> uh, uh, Lorenzo Kane. I, I just don't think that he's going to play every day. I feel like the Brewers are going to continue to handle him with kids' gloves.
1: Yeah, probably at his age and that they have Avicel Garcia lying around. I, I agree with you.
0: And, of course, they signed Jackie Bradley Jr., so quite the crowded outfield for the Brewers. Speaking of which, Christian Yelich off the schneid. Three for four with a walk and his first steal of the season. Ramon Laureano. I'm telling you, Scott, these guys are running. We got more steals in baseball. Finally, he swiped two bags on Wednesday. Now has four steals on the season and burying the lead. Probably should have mentioned this earlier. Reese Hoskins is off to a great start this year. Who went three for five with two doubles and his first home run of the season. He now has six doubles already and a hit in all six games, which coming off Tommy John surgery, I checked his game log. I'm like, really? Reese Hoskins has been this good already? So.
1: Well, he didn't actually have Tommy John surgery.
0: It was, it wasn't a full Tommy John. It was something like that though, right? It was an elbow procedure based yeah, on. there he- was
1: some, there was some concern. He'd need Tommy John surgery, okay. but he got something less than that, that allowed him to come back sooner. So important distinction there, but yeah, encouraging to see. It seems like health isn't going to be a, a constraint for him. I did want to point out with Loriano. Four steals, great. I'm impressed he's only he hasn't struck out yet in 15 at bats, because that's that's been something that's held him back in the past. Uh I also happened to notice earlier today that through 17 at bats, I'm not sure how many plate plate appearances, but through 17 at bats, Gary Sanchez has only struck out four times. Maybe he'll strike out three times tomorrow, you know. Don't say that. It's one of, the, Come on, it's one of those situations, <laughs> but it, you know, it, it's it's nice to see.
0: Uh, Let's hit the bullpen. The call to the pen. Start with the Braves. Will Smith allowed two walks, a hit, and an earned run, but picked up his first save of the season. Sean Newcomb pitched in the second game of the doubleheader, picked up the save there, and he struck out the side. So he... Sean Newcomb. Looked pretty good. For the Reds, Amir Garrett. Not looking so good. He allowed a grand slam with the Reds up 11-0 at the time, and he has struggled in each of his first two appearances, while Lucas Sims, his counterpart has looked pretty good in his first two appearances. Scott, if you are in a points league, would you drop Amir Garrett for somebody like Alex Reyes, Jake McGee, Ian Kennedy?
1: I spent a long time updating my relief pitcher rankings because they have me too, gotten man. turned upside down. Me too. Uh, I, I do have Alex Reyes ahead of Amir Garrett's. Uh, Jake McGee's pretty close. I think I kept Garrett ahead. I'm I'm a little worried about Garrett, obviously. Fortunately, he hasn't cost the Reds a game yet, which I think buys him some leash. But yeah, Lucas Sims in the eighth inning has looked a lot better than Garrett has in the ninth. Less worried about Will Smith. Uh, you know, those it, it's been a couple bad outings in a row, but Chris Martin's banged up and Obviously, Will Smith, much more proven in the role. I think I don't think he's really close to losing his claim to it.
0: Cleveland and the Royals in the same game. Wow. I mean, how fun can this get? James Karantzak relieved Bieber in the seventh. He allowed a game-tying RBI single. Emmanuel Class A pitch in the eighth inning with the game tied. And then once they took the lead, Nick Wickren pitched in the ninth, and he got the save. For the Royals, how did... How did Cleveland get that lead? Well, Greg Holland, he allowed a two-run home run in the bottom of the eighth inning to Jose Ramirez, and Holland has been a disaster. So as of now, I am dropping Greg Holland in my home league, which is a points league, and I have bids in on Ian Kennedy and Diego Castillo.
1: Yeah, I took both of them over Holland, Castillo especially. Kennedy looked good, striking out three today in recording his second save and his only competition really is Matt Bush who hasn't looked that good. So I think that's I think that's fair. The Royals the Royals might have one of the most up in the air closer situations right now. Though I don't know that there's I, I still don't feel like there's a lot of clarity for for Cleveland. No, there isn't. Whitgren got the save today after Karanchak worked the seventh and Class A worked the eighth. It it seems like a clear pecking order there. But Karen Jack entered the seventh with two men on. Like it was the it was the high leverage situation. And Whitgren's only other appearance this season came in the seventh inning. And he gave up three earned runs, I think it was. It was yep. going to go well for him. So I, I still think Terry Francona is going to mix it up there. Could be wrong. That's just my read on the situation. And just because Karen Jack is is going to be so valuable, you know, a guy who strikes out 125 plus batters regardless of what role he's in. I I still think he's the one, if I could only own one Cleveland reliever, I still think he's the one I would have.
0: Let's stay in the AL Central. The Twins, seems like they do have a closer. Alex Calme pitched in the 8th and the ninth inning for a two-inning save. He threw 32 pitches, and he allowed just one hit with three strikeouts. I was a little nervous with him pitching in the 8th. I'm like, no, don't do this, but they kept him in for the ninth. so there you go. Alex Calame. For the Rangers, Ian Kennedy struck out the side for his second save. Matt Bush was used in the eighth inning again. Ian Kennedy is only 36% rostered. So if you play in any type of categories league, you have to get Ian Kennedy on your team. In in leagues where saves count, doesn't really matter as much in, in saves plus holds. And I think in, in a points league, if you have any closers that are struggling, get Ian Kennedy on your team. For the Dodgers, Kenley Jansen blew the save and in a one-run game. So whatever, it's going to happen. Anything else that you noticed that we haven't hit? I feel like, gosh, we got to so much stuff today, Scott.
1: Yeah, we're pretty good like that, Frank. <laughs> pretty good. of uh, my notes here. <laughs> I, yeah, I think, you know what? I do want to mention Pablo Lopez. All that talk about him introducing a breaking ball that was, I don't think, ever given a name. He only threw four breaking balls in this start. He only threw eight in his first start of the season. I don't think he has much of a breaking ball still. So I, I still see his ceiling as pretty middling, though he's obviously not a bad option. Obviously he needs to be rostered. Um, uh, David Bednar talking about the bullpen. He allowed two solo home runs today. So that's not, that's not going to help him overtake Richard Rodriguez in the Pittsburgh pen. Who knows what's going on there. I think that's about it. I think that pretty much covers it.
0: Yeah, it's a great way to end the podcast. Just a few gut punches to Frank. Talk, you know, <laughs> oh, Pablo Lopez doesn't have a breaking pitch. and Hey, hey Frank, you're, you're picked to lead the Pirates and saves, David Bednar. He stinks, too. For Scott, I, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.